that they are to their parents and to this church. Lord, we pray now as they go back for Children's Church, Lord, that it would be a wonderful time of having fun, but most importantly, learning more about you, God, and the word that you gave us in the Bible. So bless their time today in Children's Church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Have fun in Children's Church. This morning, our speaker is Larry Redman. Larry um, used to minister here in the Oxford area, but I guess he had enough and moved to Newark, Delaware. I don't know, Larry. <laughs> but he is pastoring now Life Community Church in Newark, Delaware. And it's a real blessing to have him here this morning to come and share with us. I'd also like to introduce his wife, Jessica. She's also here with us this morning, so... Please say hi to Jessica and also to Larry after the service is over. So, Larry, come on up here, brother, and uh, I'll have a word of prayer with you, and then you can share what's, what God gave you to share with us this morning, man. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry that you have given to Larry here in the Oxford area when he was here, but also now in, in Newark, Delaware. Lord, I just pray that your blessing would be upon Life Community Church. Father, that you would use Larry to exhort, to encourage, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as he comes and shares this morning, Lord, use him as your mouthpiece. Lord, may we hear what we need to hear in our walk with you so that we can become more like Jesus in all we say, think, and do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, Waterway. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. I'm really excited. I was looking forward to this. Pastor, uh, Pastor Jesse had reached out to me before January and said that, uh, that he loved you guys so much that he wanted to take three months off. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that he was going to take in this little sabbatical, and he's looking for local pastors that he trusts. Um, and me and Pastor Jesse, we have a great relationship. I love his beard. Uh, he loves my goatee. So um, we just kind of bonded naturally. Um, but um, I was excited, looking forward to August, what it means. And then there was a big shift in my life. Um, I, shift, I was formerly an associate pastor at uh, Willowdale Chapel, so that, well, that's where we connected originally. But um, you don't have to be in an area to stay connected with a person, amen? There's such thing as a telephone, there's, there's, a, there's internet, amen, there's Facebook for the old folks I learned, uh, and that's for the young people that's in their Instagram, but um, staying connected. So I'm encouraged. I, I was talking with Pastor Steve earlier. Um, before you guys got here, I was praying with Pastor Jesse, what does this transition look like for you guys? Um, shifting from one to the next, and, uh, and a lot of things laying before the Lord in prayer, even the name, um, and it's just been amazing. I, I'm, I'm just excited to see you guys here. So we're going to jump into God's Word because he told me I only had two hours to preach. Um, amen. If you have not noticed, I'm a black pastor, so we like to take our time, and we like to be talked back to. Amen? amen. 
Amen. Make me feel at home. The less amens I get, the longer the sermon <laughs> is. Amen. I hear it right now. Yes. Yes. Amen. We can get to IHOP before 12. Um, no, I'm going to pray again. I just do this normally. Lord God, I just thank you once again for this opportunity, this time, God, just to feed your people, God. I pray that you would be here in this place, that you would do what only you can do, God. I pray that your word would go out and that it would touch us, that it would prick us, that it would change us from the inside out, God. So, God, I give this moment to you, God. You know that I've studied, but I need your strength. I'm prepared, but I need your power. I'm willing and I want to, but only you can make me able. So, silently now, I wait for thee. Humbly, I ask for thy will to see. Open mine eyes and illumine me, spirit divine. Amen and amen. Um, I, I've been watching online, so every pastor always moves this stand over here. So I'm just going to do what everybody else has done. Hey, so I'm well, th this morning, this morning, I, I want to tackle something that I believe that not just we here, but I think believers over the entire world struggle with. I, I want to tackle a subject that I feel sometimes keep it usually keeps us away from doing the things that sometimes God wants us to do. And so this morning, this morning, I want us to handle a thing called fear. Everyone say fear. fear. Everybody say, don't be scarred. Oh, yeah, I heard that twang. Amen. Amen. Sometimes fear will keep us from getting to our true potential that God has for us in our lives. Sometimes it, 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 it keeps us from moving to where God wants us to go. Fear is something that God is concerned about. I mean, if you look in Scripture, over and over and over again in Scripture, God tells his people to don't be afraid. Uh, when, when he calls Abram out and says, I'm going to take you somewhere that you've never been before, he says, Abram, don't be afraid. When he calls out uh, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel to, to be prophets, he says to them, don't be afraid afraid as the children of Israel are walking and wandering through the desert. He tells them over and over again to don't be afraid. Before Joshua, listen, before Joshua even does one thing, one thing in leadership, God shares to Joshua to don't be afraid. And almost, I call it the proverbial, don't be afraid Sunday. When Paul reaches out to his son in the ministry, Timothy, he, he tells him, he says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. You guys are a little bit too quiet for me. Uh, <laughs> God has not given us a spirit of fear. Um, it's so important. Think of, in Scripture, it's so important, this idea of fear and don't be afraid, that God speaks about it more than he talks about tithing, Steve. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no God. Bring the money. Um, more than God speaks about sexuality in Scripture. What is your name again, brother? Reuben. That's a strong name. Only Reuben I knew was Reuben Stuttered off uh, uh, American Idol. Um, <laughs> more than he talks about sexuality in Scripture, God talks about this idea of not being afraid. And it doesn't just tackle or hit one particular demographic. When we're younger, we're sometimes afraid of the boogeyman or we're afraid of the dark. We're, a lot of times, my aunt has an amazing story, if she ever comes to her, I'll let you tell her, of me being afraid of the dentist's office. And I have an amazing smile, so I don't know why I was afraid. But sometimes fear hits us when we're younger, but it doesn't stop there. Teens, my, my tweens, sometimes you're afraid of, of, of rejection, being laughed at, being different in your circle. It just affects us in different ways. Ways. One of our, one of our um, main 
praise team members just went away to college. She's going to the University of Central Florida. And, and just that new phase of life. Sometimes fear can hit us. And I wish it just stopped right there. But it doesn't. When you get grown up, when you get older, there's a thing called bills that come your way. Every month, they seem to come every month. But sometimes we're fear, we're afraid of, of those type of things. Sometimes we're afraid of getting married, choosing the right spouse, raising our children. There's marital issues. And then even as you get older, uh, my senior saints, retirement. Whoa. Am I going to be working at Walmart after I retire? I don't know. We're sometimes afraid. But today, I want us to move forward. I don't want us to be paralyzed in this thing called I want us to be able to champion change. Amen? I, I, I want us to be able to, to, to be on the side of breaking free that the chokehold of fear sometimes has. And I want us to sometimes do the impossible. Do the impossible. I'm telling I'm listen, I, 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 every time I drove past this location, I saw a little bit more built. I saw a little bit more going on. I couldn't wait to get inside. Because that's doing the impossible saying, God, God is shifting us. God is growing us. We're, we're going to go to this location. We're going to build this location. We're going to have this type of classroom. And it's a lot on Pastor Jesse, but the champion, the being not afraid, takes a lot. And I want us all to be called into that area of greatness, because we all have greatness within our lives. At our current church, we're, we're, we're going through a series called The Call. And I want to really just focus to the people in our congregation, and those who are listening, that we all have a calling on our lives. It may look different, but it's a calling. But all of our callings accomplish a purpose that we all have. And our purpose all is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. 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 That, that was one of my ordination questions. What's the chief end of man? But that's it. That's our all, we all have the same purpose, but our calling, how we get there, is different. And I don't want you to be afraid to get to that greatness that God has within you. And to do that, believe it or not, we're going to go to the Bible. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the Bible. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to be reading from the New King James, um, but read from whatever. But to give you a little context before we jump into it. Right now, Jesus is going to the end of his second year of public ministry. His cousin, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. Whoa. And Jesus just finished feeding the 500 at the biggest fish fry ever known to man. Amen. And after Jesus, read in Scripture, after Jesus does these great things, he has a, he has a habit. And, I, and I'm hoping that you get to the same habit. After these great things, after you do this great thing, he withdraws to be with his Father, to be refilled. This is great. The coming together is great, but we need those special moments to come and get with our Father and say, God, refill me. We all need to be refilled. And, and, and so this is what Jesus does. And in verse 22, we see Jesus going on. And it says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was all alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Everyone say water. water. In the middle of the sea. Not just there, tossed 
by the waves. Someone say waves. For the wind was contrary. Someone say wind. That is a sermon right there, Steve. That's water, waves, and wind. Take that. That's free. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the water. (laughs) And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. I would be a little bit more troubled if I saw someone walking on water, but it just troubled them. It disturbed them a little bit. But they were afraid. They were crying out of what? Fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. He always has a thing. Whenever we're afraid, he just tells them, always be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. I love Peter. That's one of those those characters in scriptures that I, I just really, really... I really can connect with hard-headed Peter. He said, Jesus saying, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was what? Afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. Faith over fear. This idea that that our faith should outweigh or over see our fear or any type of fears that we have in our lives. And we're going to use this story to look at this idea of fear, how the disciples were afraid, and what really, how they conquer that fear in their life. Because I never want to give a, a, a scripture, I never want to talk to you and tell you what you should do without giving you application. That's the way I, I, I was taught in Bible school, that's the way I was raised. I can tell you, go out there and just be the best mechanic in the world without giving you the tools to be a mechanic. So we're going to talk about this thing, fear, because there were two things that the disciples were afraid of in this particular portion of Scripture. The first thing that they were afraid of, they were afraid of the situation. Everyone say the storm. The storm. They were afraid of the storm. But, but, but the, the funny thing about it is that they really weren't afraid of the actual physical storm. They were on a boat. Boats were built to sail on water. Now, now it, it might have been a, a fearful situation, but, but the storm came, and they did not rely on the fact that the boat was built or designed for this. I want to give you a moment of encouragement that you were built for the storm that you may be in right now. You may not think it. You may not feel it, but you were built for this. Safe, built for tough. <laughs> that was an old-time commercial. If you're, only people that are over 40 know about that. You were built for this, fear tries to distract you and make you feel as though that you're less than enough. It, it, it tries to, to make you feel as though that you just can't. So the fear wasn't the fact of the, the situation. The situation, they were built, they were in a boat, they were fine. They were afraid, really, of the situation getting inside of them, getting inside the place that they were traveling in, getting inside the boat. 
Think about it. You can breathe underwater as long as you have a self-contained underwater breathing apparatus or scuba gear. You can breathe underwater, but the moment that the outside <laughs> begins to get inside, that's when we begin to become afraid. I, I, I scuba dived once. You notice I say once. <laughs> Trying something different. I don't know if you know, but brothers, we don't really get along with water that well. But I'm not afraid. I always want to conquer any type of fear. And they tell you that even in this scuba device, that if water gets into your mouth, they say just push it out, breathe it out. That, that device will push the water out and it will not get back in. And I had to test that at least three times before I went deep into the water. But you're built for this. You're designed for this. That scuba device, that boat was built for the situation. Life around us get crazy. It'll get crazy at times. Sometimes the outside tries to get in. It tries to get in, and we, we, we can acknowledge this because it gets in how we talk and how we act and how we react, our conversation, our thoughts, our attitudes. How do you keep the outside from getting into your boat? You have to make sure that your boat is properly pitched. Pitching means you have to be willing to seal off the cracks, and, and you have to prepare your boat before you get into the storm, when you allow the things on the outside to get in, that's when the boat begins to sink. That, that, that's when you start looking at things and you start becoming afraid. The, the holes, the cracks that sometimes get into our boats, those are the people that are the discouragers. Those are the people I like we call haters. Uh, that, that it doesn't make what it does. See, everything about God is not going to make sense. I, I, I hope that you understand that by now. God is going to tell you to do some crazy things. I was originally, I'm originally from Philadelphia. My wife told me not to do the Fresh Prince thing again, Steve, because everywhere I go, I say the Fresh Prince uh, line, South Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground where I spent most of my days. Um, amen, amen. It was weird for me six years ago to leave an entirely black congregation. I grew up Baptist for 20, over 20 years to say I'm coming to Southern Chester County to go to this predominantly white church to minister and also connect. I also did college ministry at Lincoln University, which is our nation's first degree-granting HBCU, or Historically Black College or University. It was weird and different, but that's what God had called me to do. It was scary. I had to teach Willowdale to talk back. Amen. Five years later, I got an amen sometimes here and there. No, 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 no. I loved it there, and I still have a great relationship with Willowdale. But it was different. You have to be willing to do different things and to say, God, it doesn't make sense, but if you've called me to it, then you'll get me through it. I want you to be encouraged. Don't let fear keep you back. But how do you know? Pastor Larry, I know that's the question you want to ask. What's my man right here? What's your name? Yeah, what's you in the red? Yeah, yeah. Johnny? Awesome. Is that Johnny with a Y or Johnny with an IE? All right, Johnny with a Y. All right. I know you're asking that question, Pastor Larry. How do I understand or how do I feel as though, how do I know when fear is getting in me? Well, that's a great question, Johnny. It, you know because you begin to speak differently. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, 45, it says, out of the fullness of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. In the New Living Translation, it says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Whatever is getting in you comes out of you eventually. How do I know? Well, I start 
talking more about fear, regret, hate, distrust. That's how you know that that outside fear is getting into you and into your life. But I don't want you to live that type of life. I don't want you to be that type of individual. Black sweater, what's your name? Marsha? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. All right. I'm a Brady Bunch fan. I know about that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Amen. Marsha. How do you do that? The keeping or switching that thing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I, I don't normally preach from the Amplified, but I like the way it reads. This is finally brought believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and, and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth of praise, think continually, watch, on these things. And I love this end. It says, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Even if it's inside of you, God's word tells you to, to think on these things. That's how you get those things out of your boat. So they were afraid of the situation, but it wasn't just there. They were also afraid of the solution. Someone say Savior. Being afraid of the situation, I can understand that. But they were afraid of the very thing that could save them from that situation to save them from the storm. Jesus leaves the shore and he's walking on the water. The very person that could change your situation, the very person that could help you see things differently, they're afraid of him. Why? Because they just could, they didn't recognize him. A brief side note, sometimes, sometimes Jesus is hard to recognize in the middle of a storm. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to really recognize. Is this Jesus? And don't be afraid. Don't, don't be upset because you just don't recognize him. The disciples who spent every day with Jesus for a year, like, or two years, is the end of his second year, they still didn't recognize Jesus coming to them. The boat's rocking. They're unsure about the thing. And their solution is coming to them, and they are still stuck in their fear. And once again, we talk about faith over fear. I don't want you to get stuck in your comfortable. I want you to always be ready to look for your next. God, what is my next? What is my next level? What is my next thing? What is the, what, where, is you, where are you calling me to, God? It may not look like you. And sometimes we're afraid to, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to my congregation, sometimes it may look totally different from you. Sometimes it may have a different background from you. Once again, I, I did campus ministry at Lincoln University, and I remember that one of the first times me going out there, one of my senior saints, and I love this woman to death, she, she was the best hugger. I said, you are, you have the spirit of an old black woman inside of you. And she would come to me on Sunday morning, and she would give me the best hugs, and, and we would talk. But when we talked about going to Lincoln to minister to these Students, she was afraid. And, and we were able to have great conversations. She said, Pastor Larry, I've never talked to a black youth. How do I talk to them? And I wasn't offended. She was honest with me. And we talked. And I said, I said to her, I said, and we, we talked. I said, um, you see how we're talking right now? That's exactly what you are. 
That's exactly what you need to be. Don't be phony. Don't be fake because this generation can see when being phony and fake. Don't try to be something that you're not. Fear tries to create you or make you into something that you are not. I want you to be ready to say, I'm going to take that challenge. Pastor Jesse's going to come back after these three months, and I'm going to be the first one to say, how can I serve at Waterway? Amen? Amen. He did not pay me for that. I want you to be willing to do the different. I want to see a line. I was excited. I'm a barber by trade. I know you can't, you, can't, you really probably didn't understand that. They, there's two things they say. Never trust a bald-headed barber. And they said never trust a skinny chef. Um, but I, I, I would love to see a line next week. I said there was a volunteer opportunity. I would love to see a line of volunteers. I want Pastor, Pastor Steve to say, Pastor Larry, we, we had to turn some volunteers away. We had that many people doing different, willing to say, God, stretch me. Take me out of side of my borders because Satan tries to steal that next level from us. He's come to, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10.10. 10. He's come to steal your destiny. He's come to kill your calling. He's come to destroy that purpose that God has built for you. But I want to speak life into your situation. I want to speak life into you that you are more than mediocrity. The body of Christ is a great thing. Uh, and, and I share this everyone I talk to. The world should be looking at us as the church, as the ecclesia, on how do we get this thing together? How do black, white, Hispanic, young, old, different backgrounds, different economic, how do you get together? They should be looking at the church to say, that's how you do it. We're the only place that God has called different people together in unity. Most other locations, they tell you, once you get into it, you have to dress the same way. You have to look the same way. The world should be looking to us to say, that's how you do it. That's what it, we need. We need to get more pastors in here to show us how to pull this thing together. Amen? Amen. Willing to reach the impossible. But that takes us going past this thing called fear, doing something different, being courageous. But sometimes that spirit of fear, or that when in, in that in the scripture, uh, that spirit actually means that lifestyle of fear, keeps us back from those things. I am a roller coaster fanatic. I love roller coasters. I am not right in the head at times, church. <laughs> but I love these things. And there's other, there's a whole demographic. I call them the pocketbook holders. They will hold every pocketbook, every purse, and say, you guys go get on the roller coaster. I'll wait here and eat funnel cake. How many of those do I have in the house? Who, who are my pocketbook holders? Amen. That's right. Don't be afraid. That's who I am. God created us to be different. And I love that's the fact that that's the way the church makes us. Us, I, I, I include myself now, us older saints should be discipling some younger. Three demographics you always should be connected with. You should always have someone over you. I don't want to talk to any pastor and don't tell me who you're over until you tell me who you're under. Who's always pouring into you? You should always have someone over you pouring into your life. Secondly, you should always have somebody on your level encouraging you, someone that you could be completely honest with. And thirdly, you should always have someone that you're pouring into. Your life should always look like that. 
But pastor, I, I don't know the entire Bible. That's fine. Give them John 3.16 every time you get wrong with them. And learn another one next time. But those are the solutions on how to conquer that, that area of being afraid of the different. But today, remember, we're talking about breaking from this bondage, this prison of fear. How do we do that, Pastor Larry? I hear Marsha screaming. I hear Johnny screaming. I hear Chad screaming. I hear everybody screaming. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you guys to be bad. What? Pastor Larry just told, wait till we tell Pastor Johnny. You had a black pastor in your church telling us to be bad. I love acronyms. So this is an acronym that we see Peter move out throughout this entire scripture. And this acronym is going to help us remember how to get past this thing called fear. And the first thing that I want you guys to be is first be bold. Someone say bold. 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 Verse 28, the A portion. It says, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. Peter was bold. Not, think about it. The, the, the wind, uh, the, the waves, everything was crashing. So he didn't whisper this thing to Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, if that's you. Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. Your boldness is sometimes in the level and the loudness behind it. But sometimes we're not bold because now we're accountable. I'm trying to lose weight. Now I put it out there. Now if you see Pastor Larry at Belly Busters with the double wide cheesesteak hoagie, extra cheese, Pastor Larry, I thought you said you were trying to lose weight. I'm now held accountable. Our boldness, our loudness now places us out there. But also it's who we speak to. There's a boldness. Jesus is, the, is our Savior. Peter knew to go to Jesus, to scream out to Jesus. He was the solution. He was bold in his tone, but he was also bold enough to say that I'm going to you, Lord. If it is you, bid me to come. It doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't understand how it makes sense. You're doing it, Jesus. I want to do it too. And it's a promise that, that Jesus said that you'll do even greater things than me. Think about it. He's declared that we would do greater things. So Peter's saying that you've done it, Jesus. I want to do it too. There's, there's power in what we say. Proverbs 18, 21. It says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Parents, be careful what you speak to your kids. Adults, be careful what you speak to one another. Because there's power in what words that we say. I had friends growing up, and their parents would always say, you're, you're dumb. I remember being in conversations with them, and I was young. I, we were the same age. You're just like your father. You'll never amount to anything. Do you know what that does to that child? Speaking like, <laughs> me and my wife, if you have not done the, uh, the, um, the five love languages, as husbands, as wives, as thinking about going to it, I'm going to encourage you to do that. It'll change your relationship. It'll begin to change it. I did the five love languages. My first one are words of affirmation. So after this service, I need everybody to come. Pastor Larry, that was the best sermon. <laughs> and you guys need to run to me before my wife gets to me. Amen? 
That's my top one. My bottom one, believe it or not, is physical touch. My wife took the same one. Take a guess what her top one is. Physical touch. She wants to, she wants to be close to me while I was watching the Eagles game on the couch. And I want just space. Give me space. Me and my cheesesteak got to have a relationship right now, baby. Hers is physical touch. Guess what her bottom one is, Johnny? Words of affirmation. Knowing that, you try a little harder. Knowing that, that in the words that you speak, she knows that she can speak life into me after the sermon by saying, baby, you did an amazing job. I think God really used you. But I would have changed that. <laughs> life and death are in the tongue. You have to be bold enough to say it, to believe it, and also believe that God can bring it to pass. But it's not just with the boldness, but secondly, you have to be aware. Someone say aware. You have to be aware of what's going. Peter wasn't blind with what's going around. Remember, in, in, in verse 28, the B portion, through verse 29, it says that, bid me to come where? On the water. He said, so come, that's Jesus. And Peter had come out of the boat, and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter was very much aware. It didn't mention anything about the storm calming. It didn't mention nothing about the wind calming down. He was very much aware of what was still going on. Our faith over fear does not blind us from what's going on around us. But what faith does is that I'm going to overlook. I'm going to oversee this thing that's coming at you, this fear that's trying to keep you out of the impossible. Our, our, our faith over fear allows us to face those fears as they come our way. And, and, and this idea of faith or being courageous is like, is like I said, is, is that awareness. It's, it's, it's saying, God, I, I know what's coming our way because faith over fear that courageousness doesn't mean that God's going to remove the fearful element. But that faith or that courageousness means that now I'm trusting something bigger while I'm in it. God may not remove the thing that's hitting you right now square in your face. But you want to say, God, I, I trust you. I have faith in you that you're calling me. That outweighs anything that's going on. I'm very much aware of what's going on. I, I see it, God. I'm not going to overlook it. I'm aware, but I trust you more. And the last portion of that, you have bold, aware, and the last, the D is dependence. I want you to be dependent on the right person. In our lives, sometimes we become dependent on the wrong things. It's called a dependency for a reason. That dependency is saying there's a hole inside of me. There's something going on inside of me, and I'm trying to replace that with something other than God. Drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it may be. You're trying to replace this thing, and now you're trying to become, now you're dependent on that thing, thinking that thing is going to get you through. But once you wake up, once you sober up, it's still there. And usually nothing is saying, if anything, has become worse. Our dependency has to be completely on Jesus, our Savior. It says, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, is trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he 
not Oprah, not Dr. Phil. He will direct your path. Letting God direct your path. A self-dependent life is an unfulfilled life, but a life that's dependent on Jesus is a transformed new life. But I love the fact that Jesus just didn't did end right there with this idea of faith. He's, he's dealt with Peter. He's encouraged him. He's gotten to him. But Jesus doesn't end there. And I love the fact that, that he continues to care for and is concerned about everyone in this story. Peter has sinking. Jesus doesn't leave him stranded. Jesus reaches out to him. And it says he's in, he immediately saves him. And what does he say to Peter? He says, why did you doubt me? Basically, what he was saying to Peter is that you were doing it. You were walking on water. You were headed in the right direction. You were following my voice. Why did you doubt me? Doubt in our life will sometimes send us opposite from where God is calling us. Two, and the solution is saying, God, I'm going to be dependent on you. I'm going to, I'm going to be reliant completely on you. I'm, going to, I'm not going to let those things around me change it. But Jesus is so concerned that he still saves Peter. But also, as, it, as we end the story, he doesn't just save Peter, but he also is committed to the others. A while ago, um, and I, I remember um, it hit me. Um, Kobe Bryant passed away. And I remember I hear, you know, hearing text messages or hearing that, that a helicopter went down and, and, and uh, Kobe and his daughter, they focused on Kobe and Gianni, Kobe and Gianni, Kobe and Gianni, Kobe and Gianni, and the others. Sometimes we feel like the others. God is just concerned, or concerned about these two, Kobe and Gianni. But there were other people on that helicopter that lost their lives and Jesus is concerned about the others. How do I know? Because Jesus, after he saved Peter, he could have turned and walked away whistling like Andy Griffin. <laughs> and could have walked back to the shore, but he didn't. What did Jesus do? He said, and those that were on the boat came and worshiped him, sorry, and, and, and caught him, and oh, you, why, did you just, why did you doubt me? And when they got into the boat, Jesus gets into the boat with the others. And immediately, storm didn't stop, when he cared for the others, it said the winds stopped. Jesus is concerned about your situation. He's concerned about your marriage. He's concerned about your future. He's concerned about your calling. He cares about the others. He's, he's so concerned about us, it says that he knows the very hairs and the lack thereof on your head. He's concerned about you. Knowing that, like, listen, when you got into a fight in Philadelphia, if you had a big brother, you just, it felt different about that fight. Like, oh, wait till I get my brother. Or wait till I get my dad. Oh, my goodness, don't let me bring my dad here. You got a Savior that has your back. That you don't have to be afraid of anything or any one. Fear is keeping us from so many different things. I'm encouraged about what God is doing here. I'm encouraged about what God is leading you guys 
two, do not allow fear to keep you from pressing on, pressing towards the mark that God has set for Waterway Church. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I told Pastor Steve, I never leave a time together without asking about your salvation. So those who are saved, I'm asking you just to close your eyes and be praying right now. But there may be one that's never given their life to Jesus Christ. There may be one that said that, that I'm waiting on tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. I said that we're in the room, you guys may know everyone here, and everyone here may be saved, but there's someone that may be watching later that may be watching this and never given their life to Christ. I'm praying right now that if you've never made that determination, if you never said, Jesus Christ, I want you into my life as my Lord and my Savior, this is a great chance to do it. So if you've never given your life to Christ, raise your hand. I'll come out to you. Um, pastors here, myself, will pray with you and rejoice with you. And secondly, I'm pretty sure that hopefully Pastor Jesse won't be upset at this. If you don't have a church home, if you don't have a place to call your home, I say don't be a homeless believer. Don't be a homeless Christian eating at every table. This is a great place to be. I want to invite you to be a part of Waterway Church. Salvation, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said, Lord, I want you as my Lord and my Savior, come into my life and change me from the inside out. Or location. And if anyone does this online, I want you to email Waterway Church. Let them know that you made that determination, that you've made that change, and they would love to connect with you and rejoice with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you once again for all that you've done and all that you are doing here. Continue to strengthen us, God. Continue to build us up, God. We will declare this day and every day. We will give your name all glory, honor, and praise. Lord God, continue to move as only you can move. We trust you, God. We place our fears into your hands. We're going to be bad. We're going to be bold, aware, and dependent on you. Now, God, continue to grow us. Continue to move. And we will declare this day and every day that we'll give your name all glory, all honor, and all praise. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. The people of God, let's give the Lord one more hand clap. <laughs>